Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Commercial Finance, Products, Structure and Strategy. So today I'm very lucky to be joined by Mr. Craig Phillips, the man of the moment, who has now left full-time employment, has gone full-time property uh, and is going to share his story with us today uh, about how he's managed to do that, how he's managed to raise over a million pounds in private finance as well. So Craig, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for having me. So yeah, tell us uh, a little bit about sort of where you've come from, where you're up to now, and then we'll, we'll jump into a couple of questions. Yeah, so I think mine's quite a, a similar story to what most people have. A lot of people dabble in property a little bit before they actually find out to go and get uh, educated and things. So I was, I was in the Royal Navy for 10 years. I did a bit of military intelligence work through there. And then after 10 years, I think that was 2010, I left and I, was, I worked for a number of government agencies doing some stuff. And then I was a consultant for those agencies for around about eight years. And about five years in, I started thinking, like, hang on a minute, I'm a bit worried that my consultancy work is going to dry up. So I started thinking about what else can I do? So at that time, I was more or less like an accidental landlord anyway. When I moved from Oldham to Harrogate, we rented out our family house and we'd rented it to friends and we spent too much money on it and we'd done loads of stuff that just all the newbies or all the amateurs do right i mean that's yeah. just what what people do they rent it out and they just and they just go with it we weren't even making a profit we still had it on a normal mortgage with consent to let and we were actually making less money in rent than we were paying in the mortgage it's just nuts <laughs> right. but but it was a headache that was taken away from us so we were happy with that um at the time and then unfortunately we inherited a, a small house uh, when my wife's father passed away and then it was at that time i said right let's let's start doing this properly so we went away to a couple of companies and got educated and that's then led on to where I am now, which is obviously left full-time work not long ago, uh, full-time in property and I've, I've started a, num- a number of businesses and we've done a lot of stuff within within a relatively short period of time. Yeah, I mean, the way you've, go, I mean, we've known each other for two and a half years, I think now. Um, and yeah, where you've come from in those two and a half years has been phenomenal. Um, I think one of the biggest things, and I'm going to touch very quickly on mindset, because uh, I think it's very important for people who are maybe still in full-time work, which a lot of people who are listening to this will be. Um, but how did you find the mindset shift going from what you were doing, which was a very intense job? Um, I mean, you weren't quite nine to five, you were longer hours than that. Yeah. But how did you find going from something that was a very interesting job that for the most part you'd enjoyed and yeah. sort of were good at and and the mindset shift to then leave that and go into property, which by no means is obviously a, a guaranteed uh, income by any stretch of the imagination, because obviously things are always moving around. But yeah, just talk through how that, that yeah. shift was. So I think I think when I was in the military, I found the the thing I found really interesting was actually when you was kind of that that person in the middle and kind of make, making things happen. Um, which I really, really enjoyed. I enjoyed being part of a team. I enjoyed then being in charge of a team. And then obviously you're never in charge of the whole team. There's always somebody to to answer to. But then when I left there and I did the consultancy work, it was more or less, I was the guy in charge, but it was because of the nature of the beast, it was very, very formulaic and there wasn't any movement within there. It was very structured. Okay. So I struggled doing that for that long. And, And with the fact that I was in, when I was in the Navy, we used to go around in small teams and we used to not be in one place too much, maybe yeah. one, one or two years, and we'd do deployments and things. So when I was sat there in that office, starting at six o'clock in the morning and finishing at two, then that gets 
very very old very very quickly although the job was very very interesting i just that natural kind of it stagnated in exactly that and, yeah. and i was like yeah i just need to find something else and, and i just just need yeah i just need to go and do something else so it, then that's when i kind of like dip, dip my toe in property yeah and then it was that i think i think you have to have a passion for something and i found that property was my passion and and it more or less took over everything i mean when i was at work I was getting like official warnings because I had buy to let numbers scrolled out in all my official notepads and stuff and now I could refinance the money out completely. And I think one thing that was annoying is one, I was using official things to do it, but two yeah. is I was showing people how they could do do it and they just, they had no interest in it or they, or they didn't believe me that it could happen until I actually started doing it a few times. I think one of the, and then, and then I think what it was, was one of the guys that I worked with, um, he once just sat up in front of people and just not, not intentionally embarrassed me, but he said that, Craig, you have no idea what you're doing. You'll never make this work. And I was like, right, I don't care. Now that's it. I don't care what happens. I'm going to prove yeah. that's the type of person I am. If somebody prove says I can't that. do it, I'll go and do it. Um, so when I recently told him that I was leaving a rel well, a relatively well-paid job in order to go into that, and I'd found a way of, of getting out of there, and I'd started a development plot, and I'd done these things that, yeah. let's just say, are not normal people don't tend to do but yeah. people in that rat race who who don't think that they can do it i was determined to make that work so it i took satisfaction in the fact that i was proving people wrong and the more i got involved with with the networks and the, and the more i kind of felt there was more and more people like me that i didn't really know were out there i've always been an entrepreneur by heart mm. but I, I didn't know that there was this massive group of us weirdos as it is yeah. who, who were doing the, the abnormal stuff and it was from there and seeing what other people are doing and being inspired what they're doing the bigger and bigger stuff or, or lots more in volume or, or whatever suits them then for me I found that just like incredibly um, something that I could shoot for and obviously I've been doing my absolute best in order to achieve those results and, and, and move forward so Okay. I think it's it's important though not to compare yourself to anybody else, and I did fall into that a little bit at the start. Yeah, and I think it's it's something that a lot of property investors, entrepreneurs fall into is this whole comparing yourself with, especially with social media now as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're not as active on social media as, as maybe I am. <laughs> um, I don't think anyone is, um, but you do get drawn into this whole image on social media all the time of, of people portraying this perfect lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where the mindset can be really important. But just just talk us through, so obviously you've left work, what strategies, for, for those who don't know you, yeah. um, obviously we've spoken a bit about your background, but yeah, what strategies are you focusing on at the minute? Because I know, obviously I know, um, but there's a couple of different bits that you're sort yeah. of spreading yourself into at the minute. So I started, I started off right at the beginning because I, had, I didn't have the funds to really get involved in putting massive deposits down or anything. Um, when earlier on when I said, that we inherited a place, we use that money to do what normal people do, is we pay off all our debts and things like that. So yeah. it wasn't like I had this massive war chest, I really, really didn't. So I started off deal packaging and I did that relatively well. I mean, not massive amounts of money, but steady, but never enough that it was gonna make me a second income. Um, and, and that's a great skill to have because I still do that now to an extent. If something comes along that I don't want, there's still a way, an avenue to yeah. make money from that deal. So it's, it's a great one to do. Um, and then we started, we obviously got some single lets in and it was while I was deal packaging, I saw this, this plot. I was talking to a vendor 
and I, I was more concerned with what was going on next door because I couldn't get an agreement from him. And then I said, what's that over there? He said, oh, don't worry about that. Don't, don't look at that. And I was like, okay, fair enough, whatever. So we said goodbye. And then I went, obviously, next door and had a good look around. And I was like, ah, this, there's, there's money in this somewhere, but I don't know enough about it. So I went out, obviously went and reached out to, I was on a deal clinic that I, that I went and was part of. And then I kind of, not pitched for the money, but I kind of just told people what I had because I didn't really know what I had. And it was at that point that somebody said, oh yeah, there's money in that. Definitely you want to speak to these people. And they kind of plugged me into a network of like really, really well-connected people. Okay. Um, I think I actually may, may, may have where I've, that avenue of where we met for the first time was... Could have been that, yeah. yeah could have been there uh, or, th- or through one of the PPNs or something. So it was, it was that kind of mindset shift. So with them, from there, I started looking at doing developments, but I had to go and kind of build a team around me. So I didn't have architects, I didn't have planning consultants, I didn't have, at that time, I didn't have builders. And it was, it's all about that power team, just, just knowing like exactly who you can go to and trust. And I, I've, I did go to people who just gave me loads and loads of time and loads and loads of help and yeah. just kind of accelerated that through from something I didn't think was originally obtainable for me because I was just doing buy-to-lets and, and, and a deal packaging. All of a sudden there was this avenue, as long as I stuck to it and learned as much as I could, yeah. then there was an avenue into being a developer Obviously, it's taken a long time, and there has been lots and lots of hurdles. But it's, it's there's <laughs> been a lot. Yeah, yeah there has been a lot. We, yeah. We've experienced a few of those together, I think. Yeah. Anyway, but what I will say is, hopefully, it'll be my worst ever development. But the fact that I can learn so much over that time period and still come out profitable on the other side, even if I broke even, it'll be worth it. Yeah. Because, um, because of the amount. I've learned from that and now what I'm taking from those lessons learned is you take it into the next plot and you can the snowball starts rolling if you know what I mean if things become easier and easier and bigger and bigger and then you start networking with higher value people bigger guys yeah yeah. bigger people and and it just kind of really does snowball from there and that's what I found over the last 8 to 12 months so we've had a quick chat about sort of where you've come from where you're at now where you're you're going Mm. Um, I think one thing that a lot of people are very interested in is obviously like you said you didn't have this big war chest you know exactly where i'm going with this um (laughs) so to go from having no war chest it's it's one of those stories and you hear a lot of people on stage go oh i was 50 grand in debt and now i've got a 20 million pound portfolio and using none of my own money and this sort of thing but the the thing with you is okay you went the 50 grand in debt but you you've managed to build a property portfolio using no to little of your own money yeah what people are really interested in is the fact that you've raised over a million pounds in private finance in i want to say the last year i think it might yeah, even be shorter than that it'll be around about a year because the, the, the first pockets were not big big chunks they were small chunks to help yeah. me out so they may have been just over a year ago actually okay. but then it was those small chunks then obviously went into bigger chunks and yeah and obviously the majority of it as a 95 percent of it is coming the last year yeah so the the big thing that people struggle with and it's something that every single developer who comes to me says is how do i find the private money yeah because everyone always wants to find the equity they don't want to put their own money into a deal so how did you find over a million pounds in a year because it's a we're not talking about a couple of hundred grand we're talking about a million pounds yeah yeah um, so I mean, how did you? Yeah, how did you do it? Talk us through. I think there was there's a couple of lessons that I learned along the way. I think 
just to cut straight to the chase with regards to anybody who's listening to this in order to like how do you do it i think there's a way to go about doing it and i'll and i'll go into it in more detail but there's also a way you definitely don't do it and i've definitely not done it properly at the start because you go out there and and they say what will come first either is it is it the project or is it the money what i found is that there's no easy way to answer that however i would personally say that get the money first um and because not only just have the money but have two or three ways of getting the money because sometimes the project will come along and you say that makes money but then you've got to find somebody to fund it and if you've got one investor then and then something happens like say planning takes too long or something which is one of the things that happened to me and i had and it was just it was a, a set of circumstances where i had one investor that was helping me out and was incredible um the planning took far too long and by the time it came to actually needing those funds those funds were gone and then I was stuck because I only had one avenue um, so I would say go and go and speak to as many people as you can and just be candidly honest with them don't never ever ever lie because don't say you're doing anything that you're not um, and then what they'll see is they'll see somebody who's new somebody who's energetic somebody who's uh, keen to go but what you'll tend to find is on your first few raises the the interest may the interest rate might be high even though the deal stacks because they've got the security in the deal but they are taking a massive risk on your ability to carry that out yeah. so therefore accept the fact that if you're paying a percentage higher than what people are saying online they're saying oh, i'm paying six eight ten percent and you find one that you're paying twenty percent on well that's your cost of entry as far as i can see and if you pay the twenty percent but you learn a lot so much along the way and the deal still stacks, you're gonna give that investor their money back. You're gonna have paid an investor back, which is one of the most important things to do, obviously, because yeah. then you get that reputation of being able to pay somebody back. And then you'll find that the next time you do that with them, you might have one or two more investors, and, you, and that person might say, well, I want 20% and again. You say, no, sorry, I've got somebody else who's willing to give it for 15. And that's where you kind of, and once you start, not saying making them compete against each other, but just having more than one option, means that you, the cost of borrowing will be less as well. Um, but one of the massive learnings I did find is if you go to somebody for money, you'll get advice. If you go for, to somebody for advice, there's a higher chance you're gonna get the money, as long as you don't try and sell to them. Um, because I've asked, I've said, I've got this issue, uh, therefore, what would you do? And there's a, again, it's all about your network, but they might say, well, if you need, in fact, this did happen. So I needed 30 grand. There was, um, uh, on two occasions in the last year, I needed 30,000 pound and something happened. Um, this was on a project in York. And the, right at the last minute, I was like, oh my God, I need 30 grand, something's happened. And I just said to this person, what, what would you do? Just genuinely asked the question. And then again, wasn't selling them and said, oh, I, I can help you out with that. And I got the money. If I would have said, can I have 30 grand? They would have maybe have said, well, there's somebody I know, and then you've got to kind of do that touch yeah. point. I would say, uh, t again, to anybody new, don't, don't ever ask for money on the, f on the first, second, or third time you've met somebody. I, I know people who are high net worth individuals. I may have met met them now, twenty times. But again, it's just that constant touch point with them. And eventually, I might ask them for money or put them into something, but. I never go there with the intention of raising the money. 
because I think if you go there with the intention of raising, solely raising the money, I think you'll come away disappointed. I think you'll find it easier if you, uh, if you network and ask for advice. Uh, okay. And again, and then the proof is in the pudding then. It's just a matter of, yes, paying the higher percentage at the start or, or maybe what was a 15% or what you would consider stacks of 15% maybe turns into a JV. Well, if, if they're putting all the money in and you're going to make money out of doing it and learning anyway. Why wouldn't you give away why, a slice of the pie? Why wouldn't yeah. you give away 50%? Why not give away 60%? I'm just saying. And then, and then once you... It comes you've, like cost of entry, like you just said, yeah. yeah. of course. And then when, once you've done one or once you've got one under your belt and you say, this is one we've done and you've got that proof of concept and you've got something there and you say, this is something we're working on. Next thing you know, then you become a lot more... Investable, uh, like, yeah. Exactly. Exactly yeah. that. So... In a, in a nutshell, I think that's basically the way, the way I've gone about it. And again, it's just networking constantly. I think um, property events is a good place to start. I'd say don't rely purely on property events, uh, especially if, if you want to go to property events, you'll get a, you'll, there'll be high, high net worth individuals there in your local area, but they might be but doing things be surrounded themselves. by, uh, well, and the other thing is if you think 20, 30 attendees at these events and all 20, 20 out of the 30 are all trying to get money yeah, yeah. and there's 10 high net worths you, yeah, you've got a few people going for each one of them and yeah so what I found was a good way to do it was you want you want the, you, because if you go to property events there's generally people involved in, I know it sounds stupid but they're generally involved in property yeah. so they'll be looking and if, if they're further on in the game than you are they'll be looking at the same things you're looking at they'll be offered the same things by the agents that you're looking at as well you're almost networking with your competition exactly exactly so what I found is uh, where some of my traction has come from is network with the people at business events because these business events I'm not saying they, they're all going to be high net worth but they might have 30 grand 40 grand sat in a business somewhere yeah. and they say well they want to diversify their investments, don't exactly. they? Exactly. And if you could say it's, it's a physical asset that you can come and touch and then say, I'll give you 10% on that. Well, they're only getting 2% in the banks. Or the, if they are serious investors, they might be putting into maybe stocks and shares and they're getting 5%, yeah. but with massive risks. Yeah. So therefore, you say, come and touch this physical asset in this house. That it's we're an gonna, appreciating yeah, asset you've as got well. You've got first charge, you've got second charge, you've got, you've got whatever the security is that you can offer or you've got a charge against one of my other properties again that's always a good thing to do um, then I think you get more traction that way and then once you meet one then you meet another one and like I went to um, one of my business partners actually came through networking and that was I went to my um, design team who did my website and I was just talking to him and it's like tell tell everybody what you do tell everybody what yeah. you do um, and then I was talking to him, and obviously they designed a website. They said, "Oh, have you met Steve? Because he's does alternative investments and things like that." And he said he might be interested. Next thing you know, eleven coffees later, from a, a risk assessor in Malta, who's who guy goes into everything with his with his numbers, is now a business partner of mine who's invested in, in the company. So yeah. it's it's from that little one. Um, there was another one recently. Again, it's, it seems to be the harder you work, the easier it becomes. So. I found when I went to, uh, oh, in fact, it was, for those, for those who don't know, I actually posted a video in, in, a, in a community and it was, it was me smashing my alarm clock up with a baseball bat. And it was something I've always wanted to do. And it was the fact that I didn't need my alarm clock anymore. So I just did this little post uh, and, and did that. But in order to get that, I had to go into a tool shop to buy. To buy uh, I went, I thought, well, I'll go and get safety glasses just in case just in case somebody mentioned it anyway, I forgot to wear them anyway. But I was in there and then the lady behind the, the counter said, 
why have you got a baseball bat in my shop? Because I just bought it at Sports Direct. Right? So I had to tell her the story of what I was doing. And she said, oh, are you into property? I said, yeah, yeah. And then she said, well, we used to be in property in the early 2000s. We got, it in, got out in 2006. And that's kind of sparked up a conversation. She said, we'll have to have a coffee. I said, absolutely, let's have a coffee. So we had a coffee recently and we were just sitting there chatting and she said, oh yeah, we've, we've just bought another plot now. We're getting back into it. She owns this tool shop and she was just doing it as a bit of a hobby. Um, and now she's, she's bought a plot with a bungalow for £800,000 and she's going to build another bungalow for £800,000 in her garden because it's massive. And she's going to double it. And, she's, and she said, oh, it's all unencumbered. And what we've done in the past is we've, wow. yeah, we, we've, uh, we've lent money out to people at 5%. I was like, 5%? I said, I can do 10 at a, a minimum. Like, and he was like, well, let's have another chat then. And then next thing you know, she's telling me that she's got a significant amount of cash and she's been involved in property a long time. Mm. Right? She took a, she's taken a, a time out, but now she's back in. Yeah. And she's building houses with her own cash. And I said, I reckon I can get you money, to, you know, to tell you to do, because she's never been educated. She's just done yeah. it through self, self doing it herself. So I was like, there's better ways of doing that. And anyway, so we were having that coffee and then she said, well, I've got all this money. What am I going to do? I said, get rid of it. Just, just give it. I said, not just me, obviously not asking for cash, <laughs> but, uh, but it's it, the reason why I tell that little story and that genuinely did happen is because that was only from telling somebody what I was doing about smashing up an alarm clock. If you don't tell anybody what you do, then they're never, ever going to ask you or they're, yeah. they're, not, they're not going to walk around the street asking random people, what do you do and how much money can I give you? It just doesn't happen. So unless you tell people and and then the, the money, if you want to be as crude as that, the money is in the follow-up. I yeah. see too many people at networking meetings taking a card and never doing anything with it. Go for one coffee at least. Just do, do something. And if it's not worth your time, then ditch it. Yeah. But never dismiss it and just follow up constantly. It's incredible. I'm, yeah, business cards just seem to get thrown away now uh, or just put in a drawer and forgotten about. But um, yeah, it's quite interesting what you're saying to me. Obviously, I know a lot about you personally because we've become sort of good friends yeah. through the ups and downs <laughs> um, but interestingly I obviously I know you're a member of uh, a private members club up in York um, how have you for, for people who are listening and who live in areas where there are places like that available I mean how have you found that have you found that to be quite helpful or is it just good as a base of operations or has it been good at uh, attracting some money I think the intention there was to, well, the original intention why I did it was because I was going taking potential investors or potential, like even like the agents and things. When you go and take them for coffee, like I said, the, the proof is in or the follow up. Um, I was taking them to Costas and Cafe Nero's and mm. things. And then when I found out there's a, there's a private members club, that I think it was £400 a year has a much bigger impact when you take somebody there and there's a lady in there she'll come and serve you teas and coffees and, there's, yeah. and it's quiet and you can talk about business and then from there again it's not like I'm fishing for funds I'm just making sure everyone's aware that yeah. of what I'm doing so I was speaking to an agent in, in Harrogate and, uh, and the next thing you know there was, there was a gentleman at the back and he was just, he was just reading the paper and then from there he said well, what are you doing I said oh, I'm doing, doing property stuff we've just purchased a place over in York we're going to be building four there and he was like, okay, fair enough. He said, how are you funding that? And I said, oh, it's a mixture of dev finance and stuff. Um, and he understood the basics. Mm -hmm. I think he, he made money through business and he's retired now. Uh, he said, oh, we, mu we must have a, a coffee sometime. And I was like, absolutely. Not had that coffee yet, so I don't know how it's going to be. But again, who knows where that's going to lead. It might yeah. lead nowhere. He might just want to come for a side visit. Happy days. doesn't matter. But again, it's yeah, telling yeah. people what you do. 
yeah exactly it's crazy yeah yeah it, there's another one it, it happens all the time so there was uh, I was looking at getting my car serviced recently and we were walking around because they'd lost it it was in the body shop or whatever it was and he was trying to find out where the car was <laughs> they'd lost your car <laughs> yeah right I was like alright it's, it's fine so we were, and then he said, oh, right, what, what do you do? Because it was in the middle of the day and obviously I wasn't at work anymore. Mm. And I, was, I was talking to him and this is a, a nice a nice car place in Harrogate. And he, uh, he said, oh, you want to talk to one of our clients? He, he buys loads of cars. And I was like, okay, fair enough. And to be fair, this, this I mean, mine's just a, a plain car, but there's like Lamborghini Aventadors and stuff and all this crazy stuff in there, like Bentleys that are green and blue and stuff. It's crazy. But he said one of my one of my clients he runs this like funding thing where he gets people with land and the developers together and he funds the, the two of them and they do like this big JV thing and again that's not happening because that only happened this week I think that was Wednesday but then again so so what do I do with that information do I just sit there and it's just one of my because obviously he said it's this website do I just sit there and bookmark it and forget all about it or do I make sure I put something maybe in a CRM or a reminder on my phone or something to to contact that to person. To follow it up, yeah. Because, again, it's not just about that person. It's like, because when you access one person, you access their network as well, don't you? So that might, that yeah. spider might have grown to like another eight legs of people potential. And yeah. again, it's just how to keep that snowball rolling. And that's, that's basically where we've been at. Okay. So we've spoken about where you were, where you've gone to, the strategies that you've covered, sort of raising the private finance. Um, one of the other big questions was, and obviously you've come out of um, a bit of a name drop here, but obviously out of the VIP system. Yeah. Um, I mean, how important have you found, for, for people who haven't got mentors already, how influential have you found mentorship in sort of progressing yourself? Um, because obviously you mentioned there how you've asked for advice and it's turned into money mm. um, but on the actual advice side I mean how, how influential have you found that mentorship uh, it's, been inc- it's funny because I laugh because when, when people ask you like oh you spent X amount of pounds on mentorship you must be mental and, and I've recently done a few deals with some, some high net worths and purely from my mentorship group there's, there's, there's a small collection of us now we do, we do another programme but purely from there. So the cost of entry was relatively small compared to what I've already borrowed. So let's just say for argument's sake, I paid five, six grand for this, this mentorship or maybe more. Um, and then from there, I've personally pulled out maybe, I don't know, I don't know over 200,000 pounds that, from that room alone. So was that worth it? Well, it's great saying I've pulled 200,000 pounds, I'm now 200,000 pounds further in debt. I mean, I've got to pay that back. Yeah. However, that mentorship and that group and the fact that you can go and ask people for advice. Sometimes people will say something that can save you thousands and thousands of pounds purely because yeah. what they know, what you don't know. Um, just little tiny, like little, little things that can save you an absolute fortune. So when you then go to an investor, I mean, one of them was recently I was speaking about um, demolishing some bungalows that we're, we're doing a, a five house build on, the one that's been an absolute pain. Um, so there was there's one in there that's uh, it's got asbestos in it. So f- people think, oh, it's going to cost you twelve thousand pounds with a quote plus fat to remove these demolish these things and take wow. out the investment. But f- when I, when I spoke to the guy who was coming around, I said, I'm not that fussed because I've got land remediation relief on that, and you can, can you can claim for one hundred and fifty percent of the the cost of the asbestos mm. removal. 
So that's not now, it's an initial out, outlay, but that £12,000 is now turned into an £18,000 gain from me. Yeah. And that's just from sitting in with the network and listening to people because there's a, there's a way you have to go through the land remediation. Nobody goes singing it from the rooftops. It's the capital allowances is another big thing that people don't know much about. Yeah. It's these things that you learn when you sat there with a mentor who's done it before. And I'm, I've been lucky enough that a few of my mentors are now kind of involved in what we do anyway whether it be helping us for finance or helping us me personal steerage. Uh, I think, yeah, in incredibly valuable, just incredibly valuable. And, and I definitely wouldn't be here without all the people that have helped me along the way, whether it be small money, uh, bits of money or large bits of money. Um, some people have done some incredible things for me. Even if it was somebody who, who helped me get my first development off the ground from, yeah. from a standing start, they've been absolutely incredible. And, um, and, and again, showing me, showing me how to do things. Again, hard lessons and sometimes expensive lessons, but in the long run, it's like a bad haircut. It'll grow out, it'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. So I think in answer to your question, the mentorship for me has been one of my key factors. I mean, one of the big things that you've done that not many, well, I don't know any other first-time developers that have done it, uh, but you've actually set up your own construction firm to obviously save yourself some money. Um, so just talk us through why you did it, how you've done it, um, and I suppose for anyone who's listening, obviously I know the benefits, but for, for the people that are listening, what are the benefits in actually setting up your own construction company rather than pulling in sort of a main contractor like you normally would? Yeah, so the, re the reason why I did it, because when you're a, when you're a first-time developer then and you haven't got a massive p uh, pool of money, you've, you're competing with larger developers who have cash in the bank and they have their own teams so when you think about if you're going to get a a, a main con uh, contractor in there then they're going to have profit margins built in so they're going to want to make some money out of it understandably yeah um and but even though they'll do a fantastic they'll do a fantastic job right so um they want their profit out of it you've then got to take into account the cost of borrowing as well so if you're pay if you're a, a new ta a newbie developer you'll be paying maybe up to 20 percent for your finance you know, for private finance, and then obviously yeah. the the development finance will be higher as well because there's more risk. So, it's it's those things, and then you're competing with big companies that don't have to take the, those into consideration. They're not borrowing the money, yeah, and they're not, uh, and they've got their own. They're their not own putting teams. the margins on. Yeah, yeah, everything exactly. So it was like, well, how do I compete? Because I'm going get I'm going getting the money, but in order to compete, so we've said, well, initially what we'll do was we'll do small. Uh, small units because that's where the big boys aren't really playing there they're not interested in the five the eight the tens yeah um, and then for us as, as a company once you start in Harrogate at least when you start getting to 12 is when you get into the affordable housing kind of realm oh, okay. where, you, where yeah. you're building houses for free so we'll we'll kind of concentrate on the on the fives the six the eights because there's, there's decent money in there if you can get the land the for cheap enough. Are, yeah, yeah of course anyway so it, well enough for us for now um, so what I did was I had a, a builder who was really, really keen to kind of team up and do some things. Uh, he'd been working for other people for years and years. And he basically was all he was looking for was a steady stream of jobs. That's all he wanted. He already had a, a small team around him. And it was a matter of boosting that keeping team. Keeping him busy, yeah. Keeping him, t keeping him busy. So initially we started taking on some client work. So we were doing, we're, at the minute we're doing a HMO conversion in Harrogate, one in Wakefield. We're doing a, one of our own flips. And that's keeping the lads busy and that's kept them all so they're not having to go 
to other places. Yeah. I mean, officially, I don't, I don't want to get into the technical side of it, we can't keep them purely for us because they're subcontractors. So they okay. do have to go and work for other people. But while they're, while they're away, while we don't need a plasterer for two or three weeks, then he can come back and do something Go and do something else. As yeah. long as he's not solely employed by us. So he's not looking as he's employed by us. And then, then you have to get into the... The, the details of things I've learned along the way, the UTR numbers and the CIS payments you have to make for them and everything, so you're paying their taxes and little bits and bobs. And, and then it's obviously, you've got a construction company now and there's lots and lots of healthy, health and safety things. So the first thing I did was I reached out to our local network and we took on a health and safety exec that's been dealing with huge projects in the past. And then I would make sure that all our guys were signed off on the tickets for the CITB, health and safety, all that business, where they go and get requalified re again. Yeah. It's amazing how many of them are not doing it properly. Anyway, so we did all that. And then it's the insurances you've got to take in. So you think, yeah. oh, okay, this is a little bit more technical than I thought. However, when you can look at, let's just say, let's just say a, a traditional build in Harrogate where you're being quoted 13, 1400 pounds per square meter. Yep because they want their profit margins in it as well. And you're looking at the pure, all, all you're doing is looking at the cost of labor, which you can actually pay them a little bit less because you're giving them a steady stream of income and they're working with the same guys over and over again, right? So they're yeah. happy. Um, you can pay them slightly less and then you're paying uh, for just for materials. You could maybe knock that down to 900 to a thousand pound a square meter, which is a massive saving if you're over uh, well, five, six houses. Yeah. So that's where your profit really is and it's, and when you then go to buy the land, you obviously don't use that figure. You say, well, we've been quoted or we know that X company yeah. will be charging us £1,300 per square metre. That's how much it's going to cost us to build. Therefore, your land is not worth the £72 million you think it's worth. It's actually <laughs> yeah. going to be £200,000 for that land instead of the two sixty you want. And yeah. you make your money when you buy. But it's that bartering thing as well. So I know that we can look at a plot. We can build five houses quite comfortably. Then again, but they're all subcontractors, so we've got to kind of we've got to look and say, well, when it comes to utilities, obviously utility guys, and these those professional fees that you've still got to take into consideration when you're doing your numbers. Yeah. And it's all through going through the numbers, speaking to somebody like yourself, and they're saying, have you taken this into consideration? Your architect is going to cost you because he's done a a, a design for you, but build drawings are a lot more expensive, and, yeah. and obviously, so finding a great architect, uh, and it's just those things. But as long as you know these things and like I said having mentors or having great power teams around you speaking to a good broker and who tells you what these things should cost and then again doing the analysis yourself over and over again then that's when you know you can get a site that might work that other people won't look at and if you go to a, um, a networking meeting and, and everybody there is in the same situation they've all looked at this plot and they say, oh, there's nothing in it. You're only going to make 80 grand or whatever. And you think, well, no, 80 grand is actually 200,000 because I can do the bill myself. Yeah. Then it's worthwhile. So that's why I did it. Cool. And it wasn't an issue for the finance, as we know. Yeah. Because um, obviously we got it financed and we're, mm -hmm. well, you're just, at well, the time this is going out, uh, you're just about to commence on site. So hopefully in a year's time, uh, we'll come back to this and it'll all be lovely and it'll all be built <laughs> out and... Yeah, hopefully we'll be reaping the rewards out of that one. Um, yeah. So just coming on to, because we, we were asked a couple of questions on Facebook as well. Um, so one of them was, and, and I appreciate you've already given a couple of tips for newbies, but what would be your main tips for 
maybe people who are not necessarily newbies, but even who are into service accommodation, HMOs, mm. buy to lets, who want to get onto the bigger, juicier stuff like new build developments, conversions, that sort of things. What would your tip be for people who are looking at getting into this sort of stuff? I think it's for me personally it's it's just all it is is mindset there's there's no reason why it should be any different i mean numbers are numbers the, the laying a brick costs x amount and there's no way of there's no way of changing that and i think if you're going to do small flips and you're making 20 which are getting more and more difficult to do flips because you can't get all your money out of so not a flip without any money out is well, ridiculous. a lot more competition on <laughs> yeah. flips as well now of course because everybody's seen homes under the hammer and they, they lie on there right they don't tell the real costs so when when somebody says on homes under the hammer i've made thirty-five thousand pound and you think no actually you've made 1500 quid after all your costs and things um it's just obviously getting educated but there's there's no difference in doing a site the only thing is you can you're not going to get your money out within well depends if you're if you're clever about it then there's a way of taking the profit out of the back in order to pay yourself up front and continuously through the build so a lot of people will put off that as they say i don't want to do developments because i want cash flow immediately but as long as you know what you're talking about and again uh, this goes to everybody is you could potentially maybe pay yourself a sourcing fee from the back which comes under professional fees you you need a project you pay yourself a project manager yeah, fee project yeah. manager's fee which is it can be you'll know better than me is it like three percent well, i mean a lot of people at the minute are putting about 30 grand yeah exactly obviously spread over the year but yeah i mean people are paying themselves two two and a half grand a month to project manage something even though they've got a project manager so the, hired separately yeah so all of this cash flow stuff is is again it's just it's about rubbish, knowing yeah. right it's just about finding these things out and obviously the people listening to that these are these are strange people as well right because these are these are not the normal people who listen to a, a, a podcast on how to raise finance yeah so th there's something special about them anyway so what i would say is if if a person let's just say is on the national average wage or slightly above and, and they're clearing two and a half thousand pound a month i don't know what national average wage you're on <laughs> well i don't know mate i, I have no idea <laughs> nothing anymore right so i'm well, not unemployed but i mean i'm not working for a living anymore so um i would say that if you're on two and a half grand a month you're doing you, very well okay fair enough <laughs> <laughs> i said my last job was reasonably high paid but i mean how many how many of them does it take in order to get you out of work oh that's it i mean you only need one development where you're paying yourself two and a half grand a month and you're laughing and you've paid yourself a sourcing fee that's it so, but the only thing is you've got, what is incredibly uh, important to emphasize is you've got to know what your upfront costs are gonna be. Yeah. Because a lot of people, and myself included, definitely me, and I'll talk from personal experience, I didn't know what the upfront costs would be. So therefore, when I was slammed with a seven and a half grand bill for this, or a valuation of 1500 pound and stuff, and I didn't have it, then yeah. I personally had to go and borrow that money. Um, and the further and further you get into it, the more, I'm not saying desperate you become, but you, you're incentivized to go and get the remainder of it, which, yeah. and then, like I said, and then development finance comes in, there's all sorts of fees that come in with that that you're not expecting. So I would say, go away, speak to a good broker. Oh, speak to Michael, it's easier, that's why we're here, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what do you want about a good broker? Let's speak to Michael. Giving you evils across yeah. the table. <laughs> and, but just make sure that you're aware of all the upfront costs, because it might, because you, you might dismiss a, a development site by saying, Oh, I can't afford to put 12 grand in because you need some planning or whatever. Yeah. However, as soon as that dev finance comes over and you've paid yourself a sourcing fee of five grand and you can and you can pay yourself two grand a month or whatever, 
well that realistically just paid for itself all of a sudden a different story isn't it and yeah. the, the problem with that as well is like I say, a lot of people work out their upfront costs incorrectly they work out what their interest is going to cost them incorrectly um, a lot of people development finance is slightly different because you're only paying interest on what you actually borrow yeah, and yeah. obviously it's coming down to tranches and it's all very very different um, and a lot of people when they're working out the numbers don't work out the interest in the right way so they for example will work out that they need to borrow a million pounds and they'll work out that it's 10% on that million for the entire year when actually it's not because you've got tranches um, and I think that brings a lot of sites back into contention as well and little things like if you're selling off plan and you're building at eight or ten, you might have sold two or three or the first before you've even taken finished an the upfront others. Deposit, yeah. yeah, so you don't need the second or third tranche. Yeah. So um, again, it's it's these things that people don't know. Yeah. So have you got any other tips that you'd give? I would say don't dismiss it because of the scale and because it's something you've not done before. I'd say surround yourself with good people. Get out there networking in order to fill those gaps. Uh, I. I'm not really good at anything apart from doing stuff uh, and and not not giving up, I would say, are my strengths. However, you've got to have people around you that help you when things go wrong, yeah. um, and and they do, so be aware of it. And when something does go wrong, just, just have somebody to talk to because if you try and do it on your own without these, these people around you to support you, I think, I'm not going to say you will fail because, again, I don't like saying that about anything but there's a higher percentage or a higher probability that you will and I would say don't be scared by the numbers just because they're only numbers um, the security is more or less normally in the site anyway or the development or whatever you're doing a conversion it doesn't have to be new build the security is there anyway so if, if it all was got to go wrong the banks always cover themselves first so the banks are going to get the money back no matter what anyway yeah um, and then and then just go from there because the, the higher up the scale you go with regards to developments, the less of the, how you say this, and having a construction company myself, I find it hard to say this, but the less time you've got to rely on the man in a white van turning up on Tuesday when he should have turned up on Monday yeah. or his dog's died or, or these things happen. Right? I mean, but what you'll do is where we are going, we're now going to a point that we're looking at bigger stuff and we're appointing main contractors. Yeah. And then you'll sign your JCT contracts and you'll sit there with them and, and they'll deal with it. Or they'll have all their own project managers. And then the, the higher up the scale you go, the easier it becomes. Yeah. And, and to be honest, the amount of money that is out there, I know I said I've raised a little bit, but compared to what I'm going to raise is like a lot more than that. Yeah. And the higher up the, the, the high net worth scale you go, the easier it is to borrow because they don't want to lend one or two hundred thousand pounds out realistically they want to put six million pound out there earning ten percent and then get the return and have the security so you, i think you'll find the more you do it the, and don't give up the easier the easier it'll become that's that's my just keep going just keep going cool all right so the last bit I want to touch on very quickly is we've mentioned networking a lot um, and we sort of dabbled into do's and don'ts. But what would your biggest tips be around sort of networking in general? Because I suppose one of the big things at the minute is that uh, obviously we've spoken about tips for newbies. Well, one of the big things for newbies is going into networking events and trying not to look like an idiot in mm. front of people who are worth millions of pounds. So what would your biggest tips be for sort of going to networking events? Yeah, so it's going to be more than one because, because obviously people who know me know Oh, it's definitely just, more than one. Yeah, and, and the fact that even if it was one, I'd talk for 20 minutes about it. 
But the I think the biggest one for me is go on, in whichever way you choose to go and do it, go and get educated in some format because you have to know what you're talking about, even if it's just the basics. If somebody who is looking to invest in somebody else and they say something that you don't pick up on or don't understand, you are not investable straight away. So you just go and do something, even if it's like free podcasts, reading books, just speaking to people, go and sit down in an office with an architect and say, listen, I'm looking at putting some business your way, that kind of stuff. Just network, but network in, in a learning capacity. Try yeah. and learn as much as possible. Um, and I think that, that'll be... And then the second one would be just be yourself. I think in the first few times that you raise finance, what you'll find is, yes... The development or, or, or whatever you're, you're raising finance for is important and the security has to be there and the numbers have to stack. However, what you'll find is the first people that invest are actually investing in you as a person and not as in the project. Yeah. Because there'll be people later on who invest in the project. But I th honestly believe, I think, having counted it all up for this, I think I have never lent money off somebody I've not met. I think there was one guy who lent me some money, but through an intermediary, but we already knew each other. We'd already spoken a few times. So it was that, that ice-breaking moment. There was moment. still a relationship there. Yeah, I mean, it was a very, very thing, but it was like, when I got introduced, it was like, oh, I know, I know you. That kind of, it was already done, was that first meeting. So I'd say, just, just be yourself. Don't lie, because the second you lie, you, it, it takes a lifetime to build a reputation and it takes one second to smash it. Um, be yourself. And if you don't know something, be honest. Um, something we always used to get told in the military. If you, if you get asked a question, don't go down a rabbit hole trying to answer because you do just look stupid. It's like, just stop yourself and just say, I don't know the answer, I'll get back to you. In, in some way, not, not, yeah. not like that, like a robot, but in, in some way, just don't even, if you don't know, just admit it. Yeah. Because like I said, they're investing in you as a person. There's a lot of people out there who initially showed faith in me by, they could see what I was passionate and I was gonna do what I said I was gonna do, but they weren't investing in a specific project they were just saying yeah we, we trust you or we know yeah. that you'll overcome whatever obstacles it is and they invested in me as a person uh, i think that just yeah just be yourself that's it cool all right well i think that brings us to a nice close um so it's been an absolute pleasure having you on <laughs> as always as well, always um yeah so i suppose the the thing for for people who are listening to this is naturally they're going to want to connect with you. Um, who wouldn't? Um, so. <laughs> Don't answer that question. <laughs> so if people do want to get in touch with you, what is the best way of them connecting with you? I think uh, the, the easiest way is via Facebook because obviously you can see some of the things I've posted. And, yeah. and like I said, I'm, I'm all quite open and honest. And, and what you'll see is pictures of my family. So if I don't have a, a, a different profile, it's only about property. I mean, I do stop some things going off because I've got old Navy mates who might post things in there. But I mean, you'll, you'll see my family and everything. So, and some of the things I've been doing. So you can connect with me on Facebook. If you did want to go to or email me, my email is craig at ccepoproperty.com. That's Craig at Charlie Charlie Echo Oscar Property.com. That was one of the property companies I've got, but obviously we've got a few, but that's the email I, I look at most. And we'll pop that in the show notes yeah. for anyone that wants cool. to pick that up as well. Yeah, and, and like I said, just touch base. We'll have a chat. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for coming on. <laughs> no worries. No worries at all. <laughs>